Wow. Hey, my young colleague, ready to learn something new today? Hey, always ready for some new knowledge. What's on the agenda today? Well, let's start by talking about how artificial intelligence is helping in science. Researchers from Columbia University used AI to analyze 60,000 fingerprints. And guess what? They were able to determine with an accuracy of 75 to 90 percent whether the prints from different fingers belonged to the same person. Doesn't that sound like scientific fiction? Wow, that does sound incredible. But let's move on to a more serious topic. Ukrainian President Zelensky spoke at Davos and expressed his concern about the ongoing war and aggression from Putin. It's really worrying. Yeah, peaceful negotiations are what we all need right now. But there's another topic we can't ignore. The annual Oxfam report has been released. Unfortunately, it doesn't bring good news. The rich have become even richer and the poor even poorer. Oh, the world is full of contradictions. But it's good that we can discuss all this here to better understand what's happening around us. Have you ever wondered why we hold on to things even when we know it won't work out? Let's discuss this, shall we? Sometimes it's better to just let go, as Gracie Abrams sings in her song, I Know It Won't Work. Good morning. Who's this little cutie I've got in my arms? Is it you? Tharo. Have you ever thought about how AI could influence elections? That's what I'd like to talk about today, ducks. Oh, that sounds interesting. I heard that it's been just over a year since ChatGPT was publicly launched. Is it some kind of new chatbot, right? Absolutely right, my clever friend. And you know what's interesting? There are no sensible regulations regarding AI chatbots yet, which gives us additional freedom for creativity. Wow, that sounds like a fantastic opportunity for some experimentation. But I guess not everyone knows about ChatGPT and what it can do, right? Absolutely. And that already opens up opportunities for all sorts of manipulation and disinformation. Even those who are aware of ChatGPT are not immune. Wow, that sounds serious. So does that mean anyone can now use this tool to generate any kind of content? Yeah. And here we are in the year 2024, when half the world's population will be voting in presidential or parliamentary elections. It's like deciding the fate of the 21st century, they say. Wow, that sounds like a huge responsibility. What could possibly go wrong, eh? Chatbots are available to everyone. Voters, candidates, those with malicious intent, and those with nothing better to do. It's our first election with this kind of thing, and I'm feeling a bit nervous, Ducks. Got it. But are there any examples of how AI has already been used in politics? Yeah. Microsoft recently claimed that they suspect Beijing of orchestrating a network of accounts using AI-generated content to sway American voters and change their opinions. The CIA and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security have stated that China, Iran, and Russia are using generative AI systems, targeting the electoral processes and infrastructure in the states. Wow, that sounds like real technological espionage. But are there any positive examples of AI being used in politics? When it comes to the positive impact of AI on elections, they only mention that it can be used to prepare drafts for any materials, from speeches to marketing materials. Very convenient, of course, but isn't that the only thing candidates and their teams are up to? Well, that sounds like a good use of AI, but what are companies doing to prevent the misuse of these technologies? OpenAI has already outlined its plans to prevent the misuse of ChatGPT during election campaigns. Meta is also preparing moderators and various rules to label AI-generated content accordingly. A former head of election security at Meta wisely said, Panic sensibly. It's important not to go crazy over every little thing. Well, that sounds reassuring. Hopefully everything will turn out fine. Gee. 
All right, my young friend, we've already discussed the potential dangers and benefits of using AI in politics, but what about other areas where AI could bring about radical changes? For example, research in the field of biometrics and the uniqueness of fingerprints. Let's talk about that. And by the way, did you know that fingerprints are like snowflakes? No two are alike. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Researchers from Columbia University used artificial intelligence to analyze 60,000 fingerprints. And you know what? They were able to determine with an accuracy of 75 to 90% whether the prints from different fingers belong to the same person. Wow, that's incredible. So if you leave a thumbprint in one place and a fingerprint from another finger in another place, the detectives won't be able to tell that they're from the same person. That's because even the fingerprints on the same hand are considered unique and completely unrelated to each other. But it seems like AI has found a way to link them together, like a wizard stringing beads on a necklace. Yeah, that's always been considered an axiom. But somehow AI managed to find similarities and accurately match fingerprints from different fingers of the same hand. Researchers say it didn't use traditional markers that forensic experts have relied on for decades. It seems AI focused on the curvature and angle of the whorls in the center of the fingerprint and found patterns right there. Wow, fascinating. But of course, further research will be needed because the data in this experiment was high quality, and it's unknown what the result will be when using real, partial, or low-quality prints. However, potentially, this heralds a major breakthrough in forensic science. And by the way, do you know what this could mean for us? We won't be able to leave our fingerprints everywhere like we did in childhood. I love these discoveries. I'm sure in the coming years, we'll learn a lot of eye-opening things about ourselves. And by the way, you know what this could mean for us? We won't be able to leave our fingerprints everywhere like we did in childhood. Well, my young genius, ready to discuss the latest news from Ukraine? Sure thing. I'm always up for learning something new. And yeah, I've noticed you're talking to me like I'm a kid, but it doesn't bother me. I know it's all in good fun. Brilliant. So recently, the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, spoke at Davos. And you know what's interesting? He talked a lot about Putin in his speech. Wow, that sounds serious. What exactly did he say? Well, here are some excerpts. Putin openly talks about what he wants, what he does, and what his goals are. His response to the question about the duration of the war is that it's a war without end. This is what he desires. He enjoys conflicts that cause suffering to others. His response to peace proposals has been the increasing supply of weapons from North Korea and Iran. Regimes like his exist as long as they are at war. Wow, those are some strong words, mate. Yeah, and Zelensky continues. I'll remind you that after 2014, there were attempts to freeze the war in Donbass. There were very influential guarantors of this process. The then chancellor of Germany, the then presidents of France. But Putin is a predator who is not satisfied with frozen products. And we must defend ourselves, our children, our homes, our lives. And we are normalizing the idea that aggression can be defeated. Even Putin's aggression, which has been going on for 10 years and more. Putin loves money more than anything. We need him to lose. We need to finally dispel the notion that global unity is weaker than the hatred of one person. I don't believe that Putin will change. Only people are capable of that. He, Putin, will not rest peacefully in this world or the next. Neither will his children nor his grandchildren. Yes, we are not terrorists, and that's why there will be criminal legal proceedings and there will definitely be accountability. Sounds like a challenge. Did they give him a standing ovation for that? Yeah, that's right. And you know what? No matter what anyone says, if Putin were to die tomorrow, what then? 
Will there be someone in the Kremlin who will continue this war and repression? Who will need all of this? Interesting question. But, you know what I think? Maybe those serious chaps are sitting there thinking that Zelensky is too much of a romantic and that's not how things work. But what if that's a misconception? Maybe you're right. After all, what all these guys were saying didn't work out. Let's not anger Putin, let's not escalate, let's give Putin a call and sit down with him at the long table. It's foolish to step on the same rakes and continue to believe someone who constantly lies. You're right. We need to be brave and acknowledge that yes, a lot of time, effort, and resources have been spent, but it's not working. It's a mistake, and we need to look for other ways and options. That's it. Have the courage to be honest, to speak openly, and to take action. It's the year of courage, darling. Enough with the fear already. And remember, my young genius, that science is not just about formulas and experiments, but also about understanding the world around us. Thanks. I'm always up for learning something new. Until next time. Until next time, my young genius. All right, we've already discussed the situation in Ukraine, but what about another hot region, the Middle East? Let's talk about the latest events in Israel and Gaza. What do you think, my little genius? Oh yeah, that's an interesting topic. Israel and Hamas are at it again, with accusations of genocide against Israel in relation to the Palestinian people. The opinions are divided. The US, UK, and Germany are on Israel's side. On the other hand, the entire Arab world and Africa plus Turkey have sided with South Africa's lawsuit. Erdogan is openly advocating for Israel to be held accountable. But, you know, it's all like a high-stakes game of chess, only the stakes here are much higher. And what about South America? Brazil supported South Africa's position, but didn't accuse Israel, just called for a ceasefire. Russia, China, and India didn't take sides, although the Russian regime usually supports terrorists. But you know, it's like in your favorite game. No one wants to be the first to step on a mine. Haha. <laughs> yeah, that's spot on. Brussels, I mean the EU, stayed neutral and just gave the obvious reminder that countries have the right to file lawsuits in the Hague court. Thanks, Captain. But you know, it's like in your school when the teacher says everyone has the right to speak up, but no one wants to be the first. Meanwhile, the Israeli army has announced that it is concluding the intensive ground phase of operations in Gaza. The northern part is fully under control, and the southern part will soon follow suit. Currently, 85% of the inhabitants of the 2 million strong Gaza sector are internally displaced. It's hard to imagine what's happening on that patch of land and how people are surviving there. It's like something out of your favorite survival movie, but in real life. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine. But I hope the situation will improve soon. And you know, it's like in your favorite comic book, when the heroes always find a way out of the most difficult situations. All right, my young genius, let's switch gears to another potential big threat. In Davos, the WHO is discussing preparations for a hypothetical pandemic they're calling Disease X. What are your thoughts on this? I'm not just young, I'm also smart. But yeah, I've heard about that. Disease X is a hypothetical disease that, according to the WHO, could be 20 times deadlier than COVID. They're developing action plans in case it emerges and studying how to prepare healthcare systems for new challenges. It's like a real-life scientific thriller. Wow, that sounds serious. Could Disease X be the next version of the coronavirus or the flu? Maybe. But it could also be a completely new virus, just waiting for its moment in the eternal permafrost. But it's important to understand that for now, Disease X doesn't exist. It's just a hypothetical model that the WHO uses 
to prepare for possible future threats. It's like studying for an exam that might not even happen. Well, that sounds promising. But you know, I'm still a bit worried. Because if such a virus appears, it could be very dangerous, you know? Yeah, but it's important not to panic. After all, preparing for something like this is the WHO's job, so let them get ready. Haha, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, passing the buck. But you're right, my young friend. It's important to stay calm, trust the professionals, and, of course, always stay up to date with the latest news. We've already talked about Disease X, but what about the situation in Iceland with Grindavik? Have you heard about it? Oh yeah, that's quite an interesting story. Grindavik is a small town in Iceland that's currently under threat due to a volcanic eruption. The whole world, well, at least half of it is worried about it. But you know, there's this feeling that no one would be terribly surprised if it got engulfed in lava and burned to the ground. Wow, that sounds pretty grim. But I heard that all the residents have been evacuated, so no one will die, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's probably the only thing that makes this situation less tragic. Everyone's alive and well, except for one man who fell into a crevice and disappeared. I'm still in shock about it. Oh, poor guy. But what's happening with Grindavik now? Any updates? So far, everything's fine with Grindavik. The lava has reached the northern outskirts of the town, causing some fires here and there. But overall, it's been stopped by the protective barriers built on the outskirts in December. It's now heading southwest along the barriers. Well, that's good news. But I heard that the Minister of Justice in Iceland said that the residents probably won't be able to return to their homes in the coming months. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. She said, There will be a settlement in Grindavik, but it will be different. Unfortunately, Grindavik will never be the same again. It's quite sad. But you know, it reminds me that we're all changing. Sometimes it's because of external circumstances, like in the case of Grindavik, and sometimes it's because of our own internal changes. You're right. Sometimes change is the only constant thing in our lives. But let's not forget that it's important to take care of ourselves, our families, friends, hobbies, and, of course, our furry little friends. Haha. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. And as Harry Styles says, you know it's not the same as it was. We won't be the same as before, but that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, right? You know, speaking of changes and things taking an unexpected turn, it's a great segue to yesterday's Emmy Awards. Have you heard about the big winners? No, I haven't heard. Tell me. Well, the best drama series turned out to be The Successors. I heard that it's a series that has become a milestone in recent years, just as significant as Breaking Bad or Sex and the City. What do you think of such an assessment, mate? I'm not a little kid anymore, but that sounds impressive. I'll have to check it out. What about comedy series, though? Haha, <laughs> sorry. The best comedy series was Bear, and the best miniseries was Gnawing. I've told you about Gnawing before, and it's really a fantastic miniseries. Oh yeah, I remember. You were thrilled. And who won the Best Actor Award? The Best Dramatic Actor was Kieran Culkin, who played the lead role in The Successors. Culkin was never a standout actor and didn't achieve significant success, but now he's one of the most talked-about actors in Hollywood. And he's charming. I listened to his two-minute speech at the ceremony, and it was the moment when a person has worked so hard for this and is genuinely happy, and you genuinely rejoice for him. I even teared up a bit. Wow, that sounds like a real fairy tale. And who won the Best Supporting Actress award? The Best Supporting Actress was Jennifer Coolidge, who starred in the series White Lotus. She's super lovely, and I absolutely adored that series, too. Wow, that sounds like a great evening. And what about the outfits? Well, nothing special. 
I was more into the street style from the Florence Fashion Week. I'm already craving spring. Haha, you're such a fashionista. You know how my daughter absolutely adores animals, right? Well, one day we were walking to school through a big park where lots of dogs are walked in the mornings. And guess what? At rush hour, around 8 a.m., you can spot 20 to 30 of these cute little pups. Wow, that's a whole army of dogs. Yeah, and my daughter absolutely loves watching that spectacle. She giggles with joy as she watches them darting around because, you know, it's impossible to watch those fast, nimble, and absolutely happy little pups without cracking a smile. Yeah, dogs are always so lively and energetic, aren't they? And then my daughter asks me, Mom, I wonder, is there a place on Earth that hasn't been described by dogs? Haha, <laughs> well, that's a classic kid's question, isn't it? And you know what she added? Mom, I want a dog. Oh, and what did you tell her? I told her that we already have a tortoise. Her name is Rocket, which translates from English as arugula. Haha, <laughs> that's just brilliant. Yeah, and she absolutely loves Rocket. And she's as quick as a rocket, lively, and curious. Unfortunately, my daughter is allergic to dogs, although I hope not to all of them. Well, maybe she'll be able to get a dog someday. After all, dreams do come true, don't they? Yeah, dreams do come true. And I hope all my daughter's dreams will come true. By the way, you're almost an adult now, so you can start thinking about getting your own dog. What do you think about that idea? You know, I'd be so grateful if you could support Expresso. You can do it monthly through Patreon or Boosty, or make a one-time contribution via PayPal or Revolut. It would be absolutely amazing. And you know what else? It would be awesome if you could share information about Espresso on your social media. That would be really helpful. By the way, my clever friend, have you heard that Tinder will no longer be available in Belarus from the 15th of February? Yeah, I heard about that. It's quite sad because it's like two worlds that seem to be coming together are now drifting further apart. You're right, it's really sad. But let's move on to another piece of news. The annual Oxfam report has been released. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Nothing new there. Since 2020, the wealth of the five richest people in the world has more than doubled, while it has decreased for 60% of the poorest population. Wow, that's really mind blowing. So the combined wealth of Elon Musk, Bernard Arnault, LVMH Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton, Jeff Bezos, Larry Ellison, Oracle, and Mark Zuckerberg increased by $464 billion. At the same time, four and a half billion of the poorest people lost a whopping 0.2% of their wealth. According to Oxfam's forecast, the world's first trillionaire will emerge in just 10 years, while it will take 230 years to eradicate poverty. Interestingly, haha. The richest people in the world are men. Men's wealth in the world is $105 trillion more than that of women. Yay. Uh-huh. Not funny. Yeah, that's really not funny. According to Oxfam, in 2019, for every dollar earned by a man, a woman earned 51 cents, which is half as much. Have you read The Ant and the Grasshopper, a fable for millennials from The New Yorker? It'll only take five minutes, but it's a really good fable with a very relevant moral. Yeah. I read that. It's really an interesting fable. But let's get back to our news. I found an interesting picture from Sasha in the Espresso chat. I would definitely give myself away right away, but not with advice, but with clarifying questions. Oh, that sounds interesting. And here's another photo. Rocket, our big and fierce tortoise. <laughs> 